Uh, this morning, we're just going to be continuing with the uh, mission series, and it's always a pleasure to be here with you. And I just want to acknowledge uh, our campuses that are joining us online, City Campus, NCLC, and also the online church that's uh, streaming live from here today as well. You know, in two more days, February is gone. We need to dig into our winter clothes again. It's going to get cold. Time is whizzing past, isn't it? It's just whizzing past. Why don't we just have a time of prayer before we embark on the word, yeah? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we just seek you, Lord God. We seek your presence and to be able to empowered by your presence. And as we look into the word, Father, for this series, uh, in, in the mission series, Lord, I pray, Father, that your words will be the words uttered through my lips, Father God. And I surrender to you, Father, in all things. And the hearts that receive the words will be the hearts that are touched by you and will turn to you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. I'm gonna do a quick survey. Uh, you've probably never heard of this question in the survey in a church setting. How many of you are Christians? My gosh, two out of a thousand of people. Something is wrong. How many of you are Christians? Amen. Thank God, Pastor Dan. <laughs> the reason why I ask you that question is that if you are a Christian, and the and, you know, majority of you put up your hands in that, if you are a Christian, then you are also a witness for Jesus Christ. You are a witness for Jesus Christ. You are qualified to share the good news, the news that we sang about, that Jesus died for each one of us. And, and believing in Jesus is the only way that we can be reconciled with God. And John chapter 14, verse six tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the words of Jesus. You are qualified as a Christian to share that good news. In fact, that statement, that particular verse, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me is the center of the Christian faith. That's the message we carry. And when you are a believer, automatically, it is in your makeup. It is your lifelong spiritual responsibility to carry that message in the way you live a life in the way you interact with people. You know, we, we are very good witnesses. We're very good at sharing things. Uh, very recently, I had a need to, to get some um, nyonya kueh or Asian desserts. And uh, I, I live in the north of the river and I know I've given in to the fact that south of the river is where you get better Asian food. <laughs> and so I, yeah, you can clap for yourselves, yes. I'm sorry, city campus, but it is a fact. <laughs> and, 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 and I saw, and I put on my, uh, my message, you know, on, on the Facebook uh, Messenger and uh, whatever social media messages that I have, and I say, hey guys, I'm in the south of the river, and I'm in desperate need for a box of Nyonya Kueh. And uh, all of a sudden, the phone rang, bang, 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 bang. Messages were coming in from all these this friends who are foodies. And uh, they were telling me, go to this place, go to Canningville, there's a place that sells. Go to Bateman, there's a place that sells. One brother even went the extra mile by looking into Facebook and he says, go to Facebook Marketplace. There's this particular guy who sells a box of Nyonya Kueh for 
for $10. And he even went further and he checked up and he's to see whether they were open and available for each one of us today. And I'm, and I'm saying, you know, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but there is somebody who does that for a business. It's so easy to get a response when you put a message like that. And I was thinking about this particular message and I said, Lord, if I put a message out, where is a good place to go and be a witness for God? I should have, but I did not. I wonder how many of us will respond with the same enthusiasm for Asian cakes. Where is the best place to be a witness for the gospel? Have you ever wondered where you can be a witness? To share that good news that we talked about earlier? To which people or which person that you can share with or reach out? Or how you can do it? Or is it something like receiving a letter in the, in the mail that says you are called for jury duties. I don't know how many of you have called. As an Australian citizen, we can receive a letter and it's our obligation and responsibility to respond to the letter and be a juror. Uh, and uh, it's something that every citizen is obliged to do. Just like that, when I received a letter in the mail a couple of months back and I looked at it and I said, oh, Mr. Postman, take it back. I don't want to be a jury, but it's my obligation as a citizen to, to serve as a juror. Uh, are we like that sometimes? We say we are Christians. We raise our hands up here saying we are Christians. But when it, coming, when it comes to being a witness, do we look to the Lord? Lord, send the person next to me. Lord, let there be divine intervention. Speak into their lives and convert them. But not me, God. Unfortunately, once we believe in Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are called to bear witness. We are called to bear witness. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord speaks to his apostles and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we know the book of, the book of Acts uh, is, is a very vital period in Christian history. And the account is laid for us when the New Testament church really takes root. And Jesus appears to his disciples 40 days, for 40 days after his death. And he is with them speaking about the kingdom of God. But he also announced the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. He's speaking to the apostles. He gives them an instruction to remain, to wait for the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 onwards, this is about the last words spoken to the disciples by Jesus in his bodily form. After that, he gets up into the heavens it's almost akin to the last words of a dying man. And this is the instruction that he gives. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You see, when you call for jury duty, you don't get any power. 
And if you've done jury duties, you'll know you walk up and there's a crowd of uh, people and they give you some instructions. They run you through the courts and processes, make you sit there and listen to what is being said and eventually say, decide. Is he guilty or not guilty? Sometimes it's easier to just say, guilty, let me go home. But, but you know, when, when we are called to be a witness of God, God is not just abandoning us, but he's giving us power from the Holy Spirit. And you're empowered by the Spirit. You are empowered by the Spirit to be His witness. And what separates us Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus, from all other religions, all other philosophies, all other beliefs, is that promise of the Holy Spirit. It's that promise of the Holy Spirit. It was given to every believer so that you have that divine power. You have the authority to be able to share and be a witness of who Jesus is in your life and who Jesus is in the scripture and to live a life that is Christ-centered, that becomes an example for those around you. Pleasing to our Heavenly Father. The Spirit of God is here with us this morning. This morning at the briefing for the um, service, uh, I shared with them a little bit um, as usual, like, you know, when I'm preaching, you know, times where the Lord wakes up, you know, and your mind, every preacher will tell you that your mind is boggled and it's running through the sermon and you're just, you know, just bouncing things off and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. What is am I going to say? And my wife sometimes say, you're going to be preaching so I will not disturb you. Because I know sometimes I come out a little bit abrasive in the reaction of people around us because our mind starts to think of preaching. But in that moment, uh, of just waiting on the Lord this morning to quieten the spirit down, the Lord showed a picture of what's going to happen. That when we come together and worship, and what beautiful worship it was. I think, you know, for the worship team, we need to give them a clap. We, I don't think we acknowledge them enough. What powerful worship bring us into the very throne room of grace. The Lord was just showing what was going to happen. You know, a picture of the auditorium that showed angels in every corner with trumpets blowing and worshiping and inviting us, inviting us into that aroma that is pleasing to the Lord. And I think that is the work of the Holy Spirit, releasing the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of reconciliation of us to God into each one of us. Power that comes, the strength to do what is commanded is not your own, it's from Him. Receive that power and know that he's not abandoning you, but he's giving that power. You know, I was asked this question once a very long time ago. Pastor, Acts 1.8 was spoken to the disciples. It was spoken to the disciples. So why are we talking about that? It was spoken to the disciples. And so that got me looking at the particular word, Witness. You see, a witness is a person who testifies about what they know of someone or some event, yes? Uh, in the case of Acts, Jesus says to testify about him, tell people about Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. To, to be a voice for him, to speak about what you know of him, to tell of what they have seen or heard. But the term witness as used in Acts chapter 1 has got two meanings. Going back to the old Greek, it has a double meaning. Firstly, it is to give account. 
As, and the apostles will fill right into that because they lived with him for three years. They saw the miracle works that the Lord Jesus did. They walked with him. They ate with him. They slept while he prayed. They, they were with him all throughout. So they were in a very good position to bear witness of Jesus. But that's the flip side of that word witness in the Greek as well. And the implied meaning of that is an expression of personal conviction of a personal conviction which one believes in. A deep belief, convicted, and is evidence or revealed through a written form or communicated to. And when we put all of that together, we can understand why Jesus said the power of the Holy Spirit was, will be upon you because that's communicated to you, revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, which, which means everyone that believes has a convicted belief and a revelation of the Spirit, you become a witness. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 applies to us as well. So we are missionaries in a way. We are witnesses called in a way. And what more? The Word. The Word written form is given to us. So to the exact nature of the definition of witness both parts feel to us. But in this instance, the disciples meet with Jesus. But in the instance, as it is today, we are also called to be witnesses. Communicated by the Spirit. Essentially, it is a belief without seeing. And if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, 1, the definition of that is faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Witnessing by faith. And we can sum it up. You are called to be witnesses by faith with a reveal in the Word and empowered by the Spirit. That's our calling. My dear brothers and sisters, you got the message. You got the Word. You got the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's get plugged in. Let's get plugged in. And in this season of going missional that we are embarking on, let's be bold witnesses for the goodness of our Lord. And let his name be lifted up. There was a mission trip that I, that I led uh, some time ago in my role as a missions director. Uh, and uh, there was a call out from Kalgoorlie. And a church in Kalgoorlie called up over Easter period and they said that there's certain things that happen in the church. And they said, could you come and run our Easter session for us? You know, uh, when a call out, some, something like that comes up and we said, oh, it'd be a good time to, to, to go mission trip as well. And uh, we had two busloads of youth that uh, went along with us and uh, we journeyed six hours into Kalgoorlie. We stopped by to see and look at the great hall on the ground uh, where all your jewelry and your gold is coming from. Uh, and then we entered the church premises. We had a chat with the pastor and the youth leaders, excellent youth leaders that we had, orchestrated a evangelical sort of um, uh, events to try and attract the community to come. And being young people, they're full of energy, full of life in them. Uh, and they said, Pastor, we should go and do a um, friendship ministry. Let's go to the park right in the middle of Kalgoorlie and set up tables with face painting, a barbecue, and, and all of that. And so we voiced it to the, to the team at the church in Kalgoorlie. And they said, yeah, please go ahead at this particular park that people gather over the weekend. Bring them, bring them in and uh, let's have a, uh, you know, have like, like a, Nice sharing, fun time, find an opportunity to share 
the word of Christ and be a witness to Christ. So we set up all these tables and two brothers from the church went hunting uh, the night before. They came back with kangaroos and they gutted up the kangaroo and took the meat and he said, this will be the barbecue meat. Uh, and uh, it was a bit crazy for us, uh, but being an Australian, you have to try the kangaroo meat. Uh, have the blue kangaroos, not the red ones, yeah? Uh, so we, we, we barbecued up the kangaroo meat, put them in buns, put in trays, and then we went to the park. And when we arrived at the park, there were three distinct groups of people. Uh, and and uh, we prayed like good believers before a mission trip. Uh, and then we went around, the children came for face painting. All things were happening. Uh, and the, the, the youth were bringing the trays of uh, barbecued kangaroo meat and buns to the groups. They went to one group and then they went to the next group with the same tray and a scuffle broke up. That's the last thing you want in, in, in a mission trip when the scuffle broke up. The two groups didn't like each other and they didn't want food served to one group on the same tray to be served to the next group. And so we, we sort of like got in there, calmed everything down. And then all of a sudden, a couple of young people said, Pastor, we, we, we feel for that group across on the other side. They were, they were distant on the other side of the field. These two groups were already not too friendly. And we could sense that that particular group was the outcast. And, and somehow the Lord has its way to show you who needs the gospel most. These two groups needed the gospel Nonetheless, but the Lord pointed through his spirit that go towards that group. So uh, a whole team of us turned and we were walking to the group. As we were walking to the group, to the, towards that group, the power of the Lord in his spirit started to speak into the hearts of the team. And we all started to f start to pray. And we broke out praying in spirit as we were walking towards that group. And as we came closer to the group, our eyes were focused to one particular person, an elderly lady uh, in that group, and she was sitting there in that group. And uh, the team behind started praying even more. Even more. And, and so we, we, we looked at the, that person, and when she stood up, all of a sudden, there was a dark cloud sort of thing that, that started to appear around her. This is the power of the Spirit. The Spirit was revealing something to us. See, we were afraid because of the scuffle. We, we were ready to pack up and go. But God had other plans. And as the Spirit was revealing things to us, and then we were in unison, all of us were looking at each other, and then we said we will step boldly into it because God is with us. And as we step boldly into the presence of that person, and we said, we see this. We see a certain thing on your shoulders, which is not of our God, Jesus Christ. At the mention of the name Jesus Christ, the Spirit started to lift. It started to lift. That's the power in the name of Jesus that we sang about. You know, and the young people behind me, they were barely high schoolers and some university students. Everyone just started praising God. As we continued to praise, the Spirit started to lift. That's the power that we have. The power of the Holy Spirit. And, oh, and it doesn't end there. And all of a sudden, her demeanor started to change. And she looked at us in the face and she says, I won. I won what you have. Amen? I won what you have. The, you see, folks, you will think that as a mature Christian, Something like that will not shake 
shake your spirit person. But to get into that presence of the spiritual warfare that was happening, our reliance was not on our teaching, not on our powerful prayer, not on the things that we have, but our reliance was the power of the Holy Spirit. And our reliance on that power of the Holy Spirit delivered the entire clan. Not only her, but everyone that was with her came down on their knees and we were able to pray for them and be a witness for our Lord Jesus Christ. And they showed up in church on an Easter Sunday. They went across, they took the trays from us. You see, the conviction of the Lord, only the Lord can do that. They took the trays of, of sandwiches from us. They went, they refilled the trays, they went across to the other two and they served them. Ministry of reconciliation, not with just God, but a ministry of reconciliation with people around us. You know, the funny side of that, that testimony is that, you know, because there was no full understanding of what it was, of what they've received. There was discipleship that was needed, so we plugged them into the local church. The lady now was full of laughter, full of joy, and she turns around to one of the, the guys and says, you know, bring them, bring them, bring them. So we were very excited. Bus loads are coming to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he goes into the van and he brings out two dogs. And, and she says, pray for my dogs. So the dogs can have what you have, you know. But uh, we were so excited, we prayed for the dogs too. <laughs> you see, folks, that's the power that you have. Now, I share this story not to, not to frighten you or, or not, to, not to say that, you know, we have things that you may not have. But as long as we are willing, as long as we are willing to take a step into the area where God calls you, you can be powerful witnesses of God. Because you're not going in there by yourself. You're going in there with the Lord God Almighty and the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we are so well-versed, you know, we are so comfortable. Uh, and I say this with trepidation in my heart. We're so comfortable with our lifestyles. We're so comfortable with what we have. But there are people out there. There are people out there in the parks, just in our neighborhoods, that need the gospel. And it has to come from us. It has to come from us. And God, in His Spirit, is here with you. And we went back that night and, and there was a big breakthrough among the youth. You know, addictions were broken. Addictions were broken among them because they had witnessed the power of God. Our God is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen? Amen. You know, witnessing can happen anywhere. Witnessing can happen in anywhere. You are empowered by the Spirit, as what the Lord has said in Acts chapter 1. You are empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is upon you. But then he goes around and he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and in all the ends of the earth. And I, you know, when I look at a verse like that, you know, I'm very simple in my, in, my, in my theology. When I look at a verse like that, I say, Jesus, why don't you just say everywhere? He could have just said, you know, then we don't have to read through so many words in the Bible. He just said, the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit will be upon you and go be witnesses everywhere. But then he, he specifically says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. 
You know, in the literal interpretation, we can say maybe he was naming the cities uh, that were close, you know, geographically. There's a map that should come up shortly. Uh, in a geographical term, he was saying maybe the city of Jerusalem is the closest where we are. And then he moves on to a familiar region of Judea. Uh, so if, you, if we look at the map, um, are we getting the map? Oh, that's the back of my head, but, you know. <laughs> but if you look at the map of Israel, the city of Jerusalem uh, is where Jesus did most of his ministry, yeah? We know Jerusalem most of the time. And then Judea was the region where it was. So if city of Jerusalem was your, your suburb, then Judea is your state. Uh, and then, of course, you have Samaria, which is the next state across. And then he says, go to the rest of the world. So he was putting it in perspective to almost like a concentric circle. Start where you are, look to the next one beside you, and then look far. And he says, go be witnesses to, to all of them. Jerusalem was their home base. They were familiar with the people. They worshipped there. They ministered there. Judea was something that was a little bit further. And Samaria even further with different groups of people. And of course, the ends of the world was far, far away land. So it made sense in that particular verse for the apostles in that particular time. But when we look at the people groups in these areas, Jesus was bringing across which are the people groups that needed to be touched. Again, everyone needed to be touched by the love of God. But he was specifically saying, for our benefit, start with the people group that is closest to you. Jerusalem was where they were. And in Jerusalem, many of them knew or heard of Christ. Many of them had seen Christ, and they were keen of knowing what Christ is all about. So start. Start in your CGs. When someone comes, there's a, there's a desire to know Christ. Start in the little peer groups that you have, in your colleges, in your, in your, in your workplaces, in your homes, in your family circle. That's what he's saying. Start there with familiar people. Sometimes it can be very hard with people you are familiar with. But he is saying, start there because you know, you know the people. Judea, Judea was the state where they were in. And Judea was the people who knew about Jesus but who turned Jesus away. It was a place where his ministry was rejected. It was a place where there was opposition to his ministry. That could be another people group who have heard, you have invited to church, they've come, they have invited to CGs, you've, you've touched, spoken to them, you've been sharing with them, but they have turned away because they, they just want to be away from that. Maybe the Lord is reminding you, reach out to them again. Reach out to them again. There's still an opportunity to be a witness to them. Samaria, a little bit harder. Samaria, the, Samar the Samaritans uh, in those days, they, they were people of a, of a different, entirely different group. They were still living in the times of the old forefathers. And a, and a good example comes in John chapter 4 when Jesus has an encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, he comes up to her in noon. And this woman obviously was someone that was uh, not very popular in the society or in the, in the township where she was, primarily because she was of ill repute. And she came out in noon because she wanted to stay away from the other woman who came out to the well. Because most of them come out in the morning. But she came out alone because she didn't want to associate with them. And Jesus has an encounter with her. The Jews and the Samaritans never got along. 
They hated each other. In fact, if a Jew was to travel through Samaria, he would side-skirt Samaria as much as possible. He didn't want to be associated with the Samaritans. But yet, our Lord approaches this Samaritan woman and asks her for a drink of water. And of course, the disciples rebuke him for that. They say, what are you doing talking to a Samaritan woman, a woman of ill repute? What are you doing with her? And, and in look at Samaria. This is where Jesus is calling us. Reach out to the Samaritans in the midst as well. You may not know them, but there may be opportunities that come. It could be the man standing at the traffic light with a little placard saying, I need work. I need something. I need a few dollars. That could be the Samaritan for you. Reach out to him. So Jesus is profiling the people in different, different groups while he's listing the place. And of course, the ends of the world could be people who don't look like us, who don't eat the kind of food that we eat, who not uh, speak the languages, but go, go on your mission trips to Cambodia, to Japan, uh, and, and just bring and be a witness to each one of them. But where you are, it's a place to be a witness. Where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. And uh, it's a little encounter that I had this past couple of months. Uh, you know, the campus, uh, together with uh, one other church, we've been helping a, uh, a lady who was struck with cancer without family here. And uh, she was all alone here. Family was uh, all over in different parts. And, uh, and she chose to, to, to be here. Uh, you know, and uh, she just retired and she just wanted to enjoy her retirement and bang, the news was given to her. You got six months to live, you got stage four cancer. And you won't, you, the words of the doctor was you won't see Christmas. You know, this was last year. And so knowing that she had come to church once in a while, but she was a believer uh, and she was placed in a cancer ward and uh, we used to visit her. You know, our hearts were always warmed when we got to her. Because the spirit person within her, although her body was failing away, from 60 kilos she became almost 30 kilos, can't eat anything, can't put anything into her body. But yet, the spirit of this individual was so charged up with the love of God that she was professing God to all of the people in the ward. You walk in the, into the ward and they will know that she is a Christian, that she is sharing. And she said, do you know my God? Do you know my Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? And this is a woman who was in a, in a ward with a death sentence. She was moved into a residential care facility uh, for palliative care. You know, her days were numbered and she puts a board sign outside with a verse that speaks about Jesus. And she again talks about all of that. In her dying moments, she says, Pastor, Pastor, I know I don't have much time left, but when you do my funeral, speak about my God. Speak about my God. And that's what we did at the funeral. We spoke about God, you know, because this is what she was. And the fruit of her witnessing was seen in the family. The nephew came up one day and he said, I remember what my auntie says. And I remember my auntie. To see all those people in the cancer ward, to see all those people in the residential care facilities come for a funeral and cry for someone who they've just met because of who 
and what she shared. And he says, I will never forget God. That heart, that seed that she has sown will multiply in those people. Be a witness where you are. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're called to be a witness where you are. I grapple with this on a personal basis. You know, I want to reach out to as many people as I can. Unlike Pastor Barnabas, who's a fourth generation believer, I'm a first generation believer. I only came to the Lord at the age of about 25. It solidified in me. I know I look a lot longer, but it's not too long ago. <laughs> it's not too long ago. But, but you know what? I want to just share God with the rest of my family, everyone. But there's always a difficulty to share. And I've come to this conclusion, and I'm fully complete, convicted by this. You know, I shared this with one of the, uh, the D-Soups just recently as well. I'm fully convicted that the best way that you can reveal Christ, empowered by the Spirit, is to live a life that mirrors Christ. Live a life that mirrors Christ. Being a witness in the lifestyle that you do, in the decisions that you make. Let it not detract anybody from coming to faith in Jesus Christ because of a decision that you make in your life. And I, and I you know, there's an old Chinese proverb. I wish I could speak Mandarin. There's an old Chinese proverb. It says, I hear and I forget. But when I see, I remember. And it brings back to, 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 to a person that, uh, that, that I looked at. You know, I speak of the Chinese, so I have to speak of the Indians too. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi. Many of you know him. I'm sure most of you would know him. Now, he, he was one who, who dedicated his life for peaceful rebellion. And uh, by fasting and all that, he won freedom for the subcontinent, Indian subcontinent from the British Empire. He said this, he says, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. It hurts to hear that word from this man. He could be converted because he was in there. He knew about Jesus, a well-learned man. And if he had been converted, I think the subcontinent of India would be a different place today. I like your Christ, but I don't like you Christians. If we can live a life mirroring what Christ said, then we can have many more who will come to Jesus Christ. And the mission field is ripe for the harvest. But the workers are few. And to the workers, this is what I say. Mirror. Let your life speak for itself. Let your life speak for itself. Again, I don't want to be harsh. But Jesus' words in Galatians Chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 is something that we can use for each one of ourselves. And how many of us do that? 
You carry the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. We carry the Spirit. Let's live the Spirit. Let's live out our life in the Spirit. Don't get angry with a neighbor who doesn't mow his lawn. Go out, mow his lawn for him. Don't get angry with the neighbor who comes out and steals your lemons. Pluck a few lemons, bring it to him. This is living the life in a practical sense where you are. The Spirit of the living God is on us. He's given us the power. Be a witness where you are and live a life that glorifies Him. You know, let our lives be filled with love, not hatred. Let it be a life filled with joy, not misery. And I speak of that woman, I spoke of that woman, the misery and the pain that she was going through, even the doctors could not explain how she can still laugh through that, how can she still profess Jesus and the spirit that she has in, in, in making fun of everyone coming through and the pain that she must be in. She refused medication till the last days, but yet she did not succumb to the misery. She was filled with the joy of the Lord. Let our life be filled with peace. Be peacemakers. Don't be the ones fanning the fire. But let's be peacemakers. Let's, be, let's live our life with patience, not impatience. Let it be filled with kindness. Be faithful. Be gentle. And self-control in the things that we do. You see, today, the world calls out to us. Do this. Wear this. Put this on. Speak this way. Act like that. And a lot of the things that the world calls us to detracts from what God has called us. There is a battle that is going on for the lives, for our lives, for the lives of our children, our grandchildren, for generations to come. Unless we live the life portraying Galatians 5, 23, we will lose the battle. We will lose the battle. Very recently, one of my mentors uh, went to be with the Lord and I attended the funeral, and uh, there's a lot of eulogies that were shared about him. Uh, and, and, and specifically, something sparked in me about this particular person. One of the children said, every day when we walk past the study, we see dad sitting down reading the Bible. And he would talk to us about the Bible. Our children need to see us do that. Our children need to see us do that. When one of his sons was taken ill with epileptic fits, the rest of the family rushed down trying to call the doctors. And he was on his knees holding up his child and crying out to God, Lord, heal my child. We need to portray that. We believe in the power of God. We need to do living a life that brings out who God is in each one of us. You know, and it starts here. It starts with each one of us. It starts in FCC, Williton, in city campus, in NCLC or online campus. It starts with each one of us. We have to live a life bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And many in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria would have turned. Today, that area is known as West Bank. Two over millions of Palestinians 
couple of hundred thousands of Jews and they are fighting. Maybe Acts 1, chapter 8 is for them. Let's be witnesses of our God. We are witnesses with the power of the Holy Spirit, witnessing where we are and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Let's pray and we release those online to their ministry time. Why don't you just bow your heads down and we'll have the music team is already up here to lead us in a song and we'll close after that. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for your word in the book of Acts, Lord God. The words, the last words, Father, calling us to bear witness to your name. But we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to each one of us. And we breathe in that power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And as we depart this place, Father, go with us to be witnesses. And may we struggle in life, Father, to be Christ-like. Help us. Help us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.